The spiritual teacher Adi Ashanti said, The main requirement for spiritual growth, a yearning to know who you really are. Welcome to the Soul Podcast. I'm Stacy Wheeler. We're all yearning to know who we are. Many of us spend the first half of our lives trying to define ourselves outside of ourselves. We make our mark in the world, as they say. We accumulate, or maybe we strive to be a success, whatever that means to us. We show the world who we are. We show the world that we're worthy. When we're on a spiritual journey, our focus shifts. We're led to look inside instead, and there we find ourselves, hiding in plain sight. We were there all along. It's our soul witnessing us. It's us witnessing our soul. And in this great shift, we can suddenly see ourselves as a loving mother might. We witness the human we are and the child inside, and we feel empathy for the human pains we've endured, the ways we've suffered. When we find our spiritual selves, we learn to love our human selves like we haven't since we were newborn babies. All this can happen in spiritual growth. It seems more people are making this shift each year. A few years back, I noticed a trend. It started to grow in my awareness when I went back to my hometown after more than 10 years away. One of the longest streets in town is Hiller Road. Growing up there, there were four churches along this drive. One had closed before I moved away. It had been converted into a home. When I returned, I was surprised to see only one of the remaining three churches was still open. When I was a kid, the largest of these churches had a big congregation for a town that size, probably about 200 people on any given Sunday. But now it was a bunch of buildings sitting empty, overgrown and uncared for. After my trip home, I started noticing more closed churches. Many had been converted to homes or businesses, so I started to wonder, what was going on? It turns out that Christianity in America is changing. I'm a Gen Xer. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. My town was a small working class community, but it wasn't what I'd consider overly religious. Less than half the kids I knew probably attended church. Just the same, as a kid, I was surprised the first time I heard someone claim to be an atheist. It seemed like a dirty word. But now, four decades on, though most people might not choose the word atheist, it seems people feel comfortable saying they're not religious. So, it turns out, the U.S. Christian majority has been shrinking for more than 40 years. This year, a Gallup poll revealed that religious membership in the U.S. has fallen to just 47%. For the past 80 years since Gallup has been measuring these sorts of things, those who say they are religious have been the majority in America. Today, those who claim religious affiliation are now the minority. There's never been a lower number of Americans who are religious. And only a fraction of those who say they are religious attend church regularly. There's some debate about what that number exactly is, but it's less than half and probably closer to a quarter. Let's put that into perspective, though. Going back 50 years ago, 90% identified as religious. Consider how much of a change that is from 90% 90 to less than half. It represents a nearly 2% decline every single year over my lifetime. Imagine you're attending a football game. You're in a big, huge stadium, and the place is at 90% capacity. That's pretty full. That's practically every seat. An empty seat, in fact is the exception to the norm. You probably wouldn't even notice an empty seat, and if you did, it would be very unusual. Now imagine that over the course of the game, people started to leave, just a few at a time here and there. But long before the game is over, about half the seats are empty. That's a jarring change. And that's where we are today with Christianity in the U.S., Canada, and most other Western countries. People are leaving the stadium. 
People of religious faith might find this trend disturbing, even ominous. After all, what's to become of a country where people turn away from God? But as it turns out, this trend doesn't represent a turning away from God. It turns out, moving away from a religious affiliation doesn't lead us towards a life of crime and heathenism. In fact, it can lead an individual to a strong connection to their higher power, perhaps not the exact one they had before in the way they had defined it before, but nonetheless, a deep spiritual relationship with a higher power. Stephanie Kramer, who is a senior researcher specializing in religion, led a study for the Pew Research Center. It looked at a trend in religion in the U.S. Kramer says the research showed that people weren't changing religions. Instead, they were becoming what she called unaffiliated. Kramer said, They're not all non-believers. Many of them do identify as nothing in particular. And most do believe in some kind of higher power or spiritual force. That's where the majority trend of the movement is going. This trend doesn't represent a turning away from God. Kramer also said the research doesn't show a lot of people leaving Christianity for non-Christian religion. Essentially, they're shifting from religion to a more spiritually minded attitude. Again, let's look at that. We went from 90% of all Americans claiming to be Christian to just 47% in 52 years. So in five decades, it was a loss of 43% of the total. That's quite a bit, quite quickly. 50 years is less than the length of one human lifetime. And you don't need polls or research to see what's happening. The abandoned churches tell the story. If this trend continues, the study predicts that Christians in North America will become a minority in just a few decades. Not to ignore the rest of the world, Christianity has been declining in France pretty steadily since the 1980s. Less than half of German citizens belong to a church for the first time in history as of 2021. In Hungary, only one-eighth of the people who say they're religious regularly attend church. And Catholicism is declining in Ireland, one of the strongest historically Catholic countries. And the priesthood there is shrinking, as fewer and fewer men and women feel called to serve. Religion is also shrinking in the Netherlands, Italy, Spain, the UK, and Australia. It's happening everywhere. I won't linger much on the stats. The trend is obvious. Churches are closing and attendance is dropping. The stats confirm what our eyes are seeing. For me, growing up, the word spiritual was something many in my little conservative town laughed at. Spirituality was still associated with the 60s and 70s and hippies. But things are changing. Fewer people see the need for an outside authority to lead them in their spiritual activities. Many enjoy religion for the rituals and for the community, but many who turn towards spirituality find new rituals and new community. As an example, yoga and meditation groups are growing around the world. As religion is shrinking, personal spiritual growth is increasing. And going back to my story about the churches that closed in my hometown, the one that caught my attention most was one that had reopened as a yoga studio. That was especially interesting since I'd seen this before in another town. A church had closed and reopened as a yoga studio. So we're starting to see a change in the priorities of Americans. Or should we say a change in the self-care habits? Whatever we call it, it's certainly a trend. Yoga has become one of the most popular fitness and mental health practices around the world. And its rapid growth is showing no sign of slowing. I did a little research and check out these numbers. About 29 million Americans practice yoga. Though that number represents less than 10% of all Americans, it's noteworthy because the trend is continuing to grow rather than shrink, like the churchgoers are. The annual growth rate for the yoga industry in the U.S. is projected to be about 10% between now and 2027. 
That means that in six years, the number of Americans practicing yoga in a studio could grow to about 50 million. Little note on this, I say in a studio because these stats don't even count those who practice in a non-paid studio or at home. The report I read just talked about the studio. So the number is much higher than that. I, for instance, don't practice in a studio, but I do yoga from time to time. Of course, I also have to say that despite the spiritual roots of a yoga practice, yoga in the Western world is not exclusively a spiritual endeavor. For many, it's purely a healthy lifestyle practice. So we can't say it's replacing religion as such, but it's a noteworthy trend. Other trends are also emerging. Looking at our culture, there are signs of spiritual shifts that go way beyond church closings and the growth of yoga. Here's a for instance. Have you seen the animated Disney Pixar film Soul? If you haven't, you really should. It's a sweet little film. It's all about what happens to a man at the time of his death and his journey back to his body. The tagline for the film is, Everybody has a soul. Joel Gardner is about to find his. This is Disney, the studio that for more than 60 years hasn't had much more to offer than formulaic films about why it's so darn hard to be a princess. Now they're talking about the soul. Disney, talking about the soul. The film borrows many facets of what people say they've experienced during near-death experience. Disney has the pulse of the world, and they've become very good at giving us what the trends tell them to. So Disney seems to see the shifting of attitudes towards spirituality and a deepening belief in spiritual matters. And they've started to make films they think we'll like. Another trend we see which points to a growth in spirituality is the greater acceptance of near-death experience and reincarnation. In the past 25 years or so, there's been a great growth in the number of respected organizations looking into this phenomenon. There is a serious and scientific effort to better understand how and why so many people are reporting these experiences, and have been reporting them for thousands of years. I did a five-part series on this earlier this season. If you haven't heard that, go back and check it out. They're all listed under near-death experience one through five, I believe. Something else worth mentioning is a 2018 study that shows that there's been an increase in meditation of nearly 250% over the past five years. That makes it the fastest growing health and wellness trend in America. I myself took up meditation during the time of that study and know many other people who also did. What was once considered a bit woo-woo by many is now gaining mass acceptance. Also, as a side note, Tiny home ownership has been growing over the past decade and is projected to grow by 4.5% each year through 2026. I know, it seems random. What's this have to do with spirituality? Well, one of the key aspects to a spiritual awakening is a shrinking interest in material things. In the early 2000s, well, that was a decade that saw the largest increase in home sizes per family size in North American history. They were building these huge places. We were overloading on excess. Never before had more families bought more houses with more square feet per family member. But now, 20 years later, people are casting off excess. They're simplifying. They seem to be losing the need to show others what they have, what they can afford. They're simplifying, and many are opting for tiny homes. Spirituality used to look like a fad. Now it appears to be an instinctive desire to find a deeper level of values to live by. And we see many signs of a spiritual shift in the world. Some obvious, some others not so obvious. But things are changing. And many people on a spiritual journey may not even realize the added benefits. Spirituality can provide individuals with tools and practices to cultivate greater well-being and inner peace. 
It can also have ripple effects in our relationships and our communities. Practices like meditation and mindfulness have been shown to have a range of physical and mental health benefits, including reduced stress, improved focus and concentration, and increased compassion and empathy. My spiritual growth has led me to be more aware of how my ego drives my actions, for instance. And that has led me to make less decisions from ego. And in fact, 10 years back, my definition of empathy wouldn't even have been correct. I've seen the true meaning of the word and it affects my way of being. I care for my body and have a focus on being a better person each day. These are common results people find when they're living a spiritual life. And this has been going on for a while. There have been some well-known advocates leading the charge by example for spirituality. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple Corporation, said this about religion and spirituality. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. For many, religion is living the thinking and expectations of others. It's following the book of rules of your particular religion. For some, religious dogma is useful as a framework for life. But religion can feel like it's a one-size-fits-all approach to spiritual life. So it seems more people each year are moving towards a spiritual path without the structure found in religions. Maybe that's part of the draw. Spirituality doesn't have the same sort of structure as religions. There's no one telling you what your spiritual life should look like. The path is yours to figure out. So spirituality can mean a lot of different things to many different people. In a sense, people are figuring it out as they go. And figuring it out as you go is also not a new idea. In the 1800s, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, Make your own Bible. Select and collect all the words and sentences that in all your readings have been to you like the blast of a trumpet. Many of us who consider ourselves spiritual are rejecting the book of a particular faith and instead following the ideas and standards we've assembled on our own from the words and sentences we've read or heard. We are essentially making our own Bible of sorts. So what does this all mean? Something subtle is happening. People are putting a greater focus on finding personal balance, on empathy, compassion, and community. These are values shared by most religions as well, but it seems more people are choosing to not have anyone between themselves and their spiritual work. As Adiyashanti said, the main requirement for spiritual growth, a yearning to know who you really are. And millions of people each year seem to be embracing that yearning. In doing our spiritual work, we're connecting with our soul, or maybe our higher power. And it's happening all over the world. We've been sold on the notion that success means accumulation of stuff, and we found that stuff doesn't make us happier. The excess we've worked for leaves us unfulfilled, so we look for other places to find happiness. Some look to drugs or alcohol, some try to find happiness in accumulation of stuff, and it doesn't take long before we discover happiness doesn't live in those places. But by simplifying, questioning the truth of consciousness, doing meditation or yoga, finding our center, we might find something better than happiness, a thing most of us have forgotten. Joy. Joy through connection with our deepest self and our higher power. Sitting silently with ourselves has that effect. It leads to a sense of peace, and this sense of peace is something many of us don't realize we thirst for until we've experienced it. When we get a taste, we want more. And isn't it interesting that all forms of religion seem to have some aspect of slowing down as a core practice? Prayer, meditation, 
breathing practices, they've historically helped us connect with something. Is it God? The soul? Whatever it is, it seems to be a grounding force. Enlightenment doesn't seem to happen when we're in full motion. We must slow down. We've forgotten this sensation is our birthright, and it's right here. It's here for the taking, and it costs nothing but the time it takes to be present with ourselves. The soul reunion is ours. All we must do is be open to it, be silent, and let it come. Someday soon, the spiritual people will be the majority. What will the world look like when politicians on both sides must cater to the pressures of a voting population who are broadly accepting of others and who value empathy, peace, and kindness above all else? What will they do when the voting base sees every human as a relative rather than a potential enemy? What happens when the political parties and news organizations can no longer weaponize anger and self-righteousness for ratings and votes? What happens when the majority of the voters can't be swayed with angry rhetoric and the far left and right news go bankrupt from lack of viewers? Maybe it's less likely than I think, but trends are moving us in that direction, the direction of that possible world. I see it as a hopeful sign. What does that world look like? If the spiritual trend continues, we'll see the results in less than a generation, maybe in my lifetime. And maybe years from now, when they look back at the world as it is today, they'll see it as we do the dark ages, just a time we had to go through in order to get to a better reality. I love making the Soul Podcast. My goal is to bring you more shows each season. If the show's spoken to you and you feel called to, please join our list of producers. You can become a producer for as little as $3 a month. And each of you helps me get one step closer to making the Soul Podcast my full-time job. You can find a producer link in the show notes.